From the creators of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, a podcast where friends grow faith, enhance life, and build community together. Seasons of life change. What worked in one season of our life differs in the next. Some transitions we prepare for and some take us by surprise. I'm Kimberly Amici and I'm here today talking with Elise Daly Parker and Kimberly Coyle about life transitions, the ones we've been through and what we've learned from them. Every episode, we start off with an in your words question. This week, I'm asking my co-hosts, what surprised you most about motherhood? Um, Elise, why don't you go first? Because you became a mother before us. Yes, I did. (laughs) I think the biggest surprise for me was that it was something, being a mother was kind of my main aim for as long as I could remember. I didn't have big career goals um, and things like that. So motherhood was the prime thing that I just couldn't wait to do. And I guess what surprised me most about it was um, how incredibly hard it was and how bad I was at it. Um, I really thought I was going to be amazing. And what I found instead was, wow, this is incredibly hard. One of my problems was I had great difficulty nursing my first baby. Never anticipated that. Um, another thing I would say was really difficult. These are particularly in the beginning. I could go on for you know several podcasts about this particular topic of what I, how bad I was at motherhood. Um, <laughs> despite my um, sincere desire to be the best, best mother ever. Another one was like, everybody got to the park in the morning by 8 o'clock or 8.30, and I would arrive at 10, and everybody was on their way home. <laughs> <laughs> so it just was like, I, I just didn't really, um, I just didn't really know what it was going to be like for real, as my children would say. Another, a last comment I would say is, I, I guess I thought there was going to be a lot of downtime. So I had this image of myself quilting <laughs> with my babies around my feet. <laughs> and that is not at all what the, the picture is like. In fact, it was <laughs> unbelievable <That's> chaos. <laughs> chaos, yep. So there, there's my, um, there's the things that surprise me about motherhood. In a few little snippets. Ah, what about you, Kimberly? Oh gosh, that's hilarious. I I, I could agree with a lot of that. Um, I would say for me, the biggest thing. My kids are now in their teen years. Um, well, my youngest is eleven, but she thinks she's a teenager. Um, I was most surprised by the fact that they need me more now than they did when they were little which I thought, you know, those years at the beginning are so intense and so challenging and they need you for everything. Obviously, you know, every last need, you have to meet it. Um, So I thought once the early years were over, like it would just get easier and easier. And the, the elementary school years were fairly easy in the sense that, you know, hormones weren't active yet. And um, there wasn't a huge amount of pushing against boundaries, but um, now that they're teenagers, I, they need me so much. I, I can't believe the amount of time and emotional energy that I'm putting into parenting at this age. Um, I really, it was very unexpected to me. I kind of thought, oh, well, you know, at this point you're practically done, but really this is the hard, this is the hard season of parenting. It's really challenging. And, um, and even just being physically present, I, I still have to be really physically present for them, um, which was also a surprise. So it's a it's a time of parenting that um, 
I love and enjoy so much. I'm enjoying it more than I expected, but also much more challenging than I thought too. So yeah, that's it. Um, well, gee, I was going to say that my surprise would have been how much it's taking, that how much it took from me, not from me, but of me to be a mom and to be so engaged. And it just consumes a lot. It just consumes everything you do, your decisions you make. But my kids aren't as old as yours. And so hearing that makes me think, oh, <laughs> it's Oops. only going to ramp up. <laughs> no, you're very, very engaged right now. Like right. you're a much more intentional parent than I ever was at that age uh, with elementary. So you're probably right on track. You'll be fine. Okay. Well, I, I do think it's a very good point. And I think middle school through high school actually is. I remember thinking when I was going through it, especially in the beginning, actually, you know, this is a time when you've really got to be around. There is so much going on yeah. emotionally, psychologically, etc. So <laughs> I would say, Kimberly, Amici, you are not resting on your laurels yet. <laughs> um, you'll continue to need to be a, 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 a very intentional yes. mom, I'm sure. Um, but you know what? One of the things that I was thinking when we first asked the question um, I mean, I always knew I'd love my kids, right? But you never know how fiercely until they put that first child in your arm. And then the second, you don't think you could possibly love as much as the first yes. and then you do again, yes. even the third. Um, so that, I think, is a common surprise. I've heard that bit from before from many parents. But um, I think I'm surprised, too, about the seasons that I go through with gravitating towards one more than the other when you feel like the one who's easy is your favorite like I would I hate to say that someone would be my favorite but when you're not connecting with one and they're giving you the hardest time of all three the love that it takes to keep that in balance and say mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to love you and I mean of course you do but the the act of loving the act of yeah. saying all right I'm not going to spend more time with your sister because she's super easy to hang out with right now I'm going to make sure I still spend some time with you even though it can be difficult and it can be hard and we're not connecting and we're, we're butting heads and just maintaining those connections, just the, the ups and downs of seasons has been surprising to me, I think too. It's mm-hmm. a really good one. Yeah. Awesome. So going from a woman to a now mother is a huge transition that each of us that's sitting here today have experienced. I'd love today to talk about some of the other transitions that we've gone through and how we've handled them and what we've learned. Kimberly, why don't you start us off? Sure, yeah. Um, I think everybody experiences huge transitions in life. We don't always recognize them as such. Um, Mine have been very uh, specific and very big transitions, particularly with moving, which I think is a common one actually for a lot of people. Not too many people stay close to where they grew up anymore. Um, But my husband and I, twice we have moved overseas and returned back to America after that. So three years ago, we lived in Switzerland. Um, We were there for three and a half years with our kids for my husband's job. And we moved back here three years ago to New Jersey And um, I have found that the two times when we've moved back to America were uh, as challenging, if not more so, than the times we moved away. Um, Because there are a number of reasons why, but I I think coming home, there were expectations that uh, we'd be able to ease into things and that it was just, you know, when you return to something that you've known very well, 
it's um, unexpected when things come up, like emotions you hadn't expected, or your friendships have shifted and aren't the same anymore, or you're moving to a different town or a different state. Um, we are originally from Pennsylvania, so when we moved to New Jersey for the first time, I was um, really unhappy about it. I was really mad. I didn't want to live in New Jersey, and we ended up here for my husband's job yet again. And... Um, and having to adjust to feeling like I'm home in America, but I'm not really home, and I still have to start over again. Uh, it's that constant feeling of having to start over is really a huge transition and so challenging, but so life-giving also in the sense that um, you really find out what you're made of and you figure out you know, ways to manage those transitions that um, you hadn't maybe anticipated. So uh, that's our most recent big one, I would say. Um, but it's, it's been really good, but hard, really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd think it would be more difficult the other way around. For sure, yeah. I mean, moving to Switzerland was a massive challenge because of the, the language barrier. Mm-hmm. We didn't speak. We were living in Zurich, which was German-speaking, and we didn't speak German when we moved there. Um, and I chose not to learn German. <laughs> <laughs> While I was there for a number of reasons I won't get into. But um, yeah, so not being able to communicate and speak the language was really such a massive challenge. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, everyone there is trilingual, so they don't have any problem communicating in English, and we got by fine. Um, and learn, just learning another culture is mm-hmm. huge. But coming back to America, you know, you, we changed so much while we were away our lifestyle changed. Um, some of our values changed. Our values as a family, our um, our views on certain things, and and how we even looked at ourselves as Americans, that changed as well. And so to come back home with different, you know, having all of these, um, well, for lack of a better word, changes going on um, inside and outside, um, and. And having and returning back after we felt all these changes uh, to something that would, had pretty much stayed the same, you know, mm-hmm. still same shops, same lifestyle, same people that you know, same, church think the same way, and people think the same way. Yeah, nothing seemed to move forward mm. uh, where we had grown so much in so many ways. Um, yeah, that that became really hard. Yeah, it was. It was. It was difficult. Mm-hmm. So what, what worked during that time? What work, what has worked to ease you back into the time living in the States? I think what eased us back this last time was that we had worked really hard to maintain our friendships here. So even though they had shifted because we were away, we missed three years of everyone's lives. Uh, when we came, we made the point of over those years that we were gone, we would come back and visit our friends, not just our family. So we came back every six months and we visited our friends and we spent significant amounts of time with them. And, you know, we also stayed connected online and stuff too, but that's not, when you've been in somebody's life day in and day out, that's not a real easy way to maintain that level of friendship. So we really tried to see each other, spend time in their homes um, and maintain those friendships knowing that we were coming back. And that was a huge help to our children because they came back to a lot of friendships that were still established, Mm -hmm. which was great. Um, And we still tried to stay connected to our church and all of those things. So that helped the transition, but that's not 
going to be everyone's case. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes when you, you uh, lots of times when you move, you're not moving back to the exact same place that, that you've been before. So did um, you always know you were going to do that? We did. We did. That time we knew we were coming back to New Jersey. Had we, you know, thought we might end up, you know, who knows where California or something that would have not worked mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but that helped us for sure. And just trying to keep our kids connected to what was happening in America. And, um, you know, when we would come back, we would do all of the same things that we would do in normal family life. We would still go to the same restaurants. We'd, you know, try and celebrate birthdays with family. We would do all of those normal things when we were visiting so that they stayed connected to all of that stuff. You know, we'd go to the mall. We'd talk about the sports stuff going on here. We, you know, so we anticipated knowing that we would be back and planned for that. So sometimes being able to plan ahead and know where you're headed in three years Mm -hmm. is really helpful. I think technology makes that so easy nowadays. Not to say that it, it, you still don't have to put in the effort. You still have to be intentional and put in the effort, but it does help and it does make it easier. Oh, so much easier. Yeah. When we lived, when we lived in England, we didn't even, I don't even think I had an email address at that point. We lived Hmm. in England in my mid twenties. I don't think I had email. I hardly ever connected with anybody that still lived in America. So there was a huge disconnect there when we came back. Uh, But this time it was so much easier. Just, yeah, so much easier. So what do you wish you would have known? Uh, What do I wish I would have known? I wish I would have known um, that I am the same person no matter where I go. So I'm still me. I still carry all of the same baggage, all of the same issues, all of the same things I struggle with in New Jersey are the same exact things I'm going to struggle with in Switzerland or London or wherever we end up. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that as we moved, um, I could kind of rid myself of some of the insecurities and some of those things that I could just sort of, you know, throw off and say, Oh, that's no longer me, but Mm, that's they're still there. It's just, they present themselves differently in different situations, but you know, like friendships, making new friends is hard for me. That's something I struggle with. And no matter where I live and what kind of situation or scenario I'm in, that's always going to be something that's hard for me, which I have found in three countries now. So, Mm -hmm. um, so little things, you know, like that, it's just, it's good to know who you are and how you handle change and just know like, okay, I know I'm going to freak out for the first couple weeks here. <laughs> and that is normal for and me. it's good for your spouse to know that too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know my husband's response will be to hunker down and make tons of lists that drive me crazy no matter where we go. Like that is his response to stress and change and transitions. So mm-hmm. knowing how you react to these things is really helpful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. Give us one, awesome. Elise. Life transition you've experienced. Um, Well, I would say one of the biggest transitions that I have been in fairly recently is as my kids reached uh, college age and went off to college. And right now I'm at the end of that process um, with my youngest in her senior year of college. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it really surprised me that I would have such a difficult time letting go. Um, I think by that point, I kind of knew that about myself. Um, after raising my first child, 
Farrell, who um, I was very close to. Um, you know, we certainly had our, our middle school and then a little dip in high school, but really we were very close. And so um, I, I really grieved her leaving. And I grieved her leaving um, not... Well, I want to back up for a second. I also have a stepdaughter who also lived with us. And, and when she left, it was a big transition as well. But there was a big gap between her and the next child. So it was kind of like I was hunkering down with all these little ones while she went off. So I just want to make that point. But when Farrell was leaving, I will tell you that the year before, I basically, I'm in Moms in Prayer, and we pray together once a week. And it's a wonderful group um, that I get to raise my children with, really. And so I was very blessed to have that group surrounding me. But I'm telling you, when we would meet weekly, I would cry every week. Mm. It still (laughs) makes me cry to this day. Um, And she left and went off to uh, Boston University. And one of my big concerns was um, I was terrified for her to being out in the big bad world completely without me. And one of the things I was really afraid of was that she was going to a secular school and that she would not have any faith, um, building continuing. And, um, and, and certainly being, being in moms in prayer helped me realize that, okay, well, I could still pray for her and I could still reach her through my prayers. But, um, and I had, I, I remember, at one of those meetings in the spring that we had, one of the moms in prayer, prayer meetings, um, I remember there was a scripture that basically said, you know, uh, I go with you wherever you go. I mean, we, we know that scripture. There's, it's, that's cited many times. But I had such a revelation that that was true of my daughter, that she was leaving, but that God was in her, that, that the spirit resided in her. So, um, that great gave me great comfort. The other thing is once she did leave, I, I continued to grieve and I had the next daughter who was 21 months younger, basically say to me, um, mom, you got to get over this. Uh, we, we, you know, we're still here. There's two of us still here and you just got to kind of snap out of it. And, um, I realized I really did need to do that. I needed to, um, release my children and trust God with them. And frankly, I went to speak to my counselor for, um, I dipped into my counselor who I've known now for 25 years and talked to her about it. Cause I really did need to get over it. So <laughs> that, um, so that level of grief surprised me. Um, counseling is something that helped along with prayer. Um, and just kind of know what you're going to ask me, Kimberly is, um, what I wish I would have known at the time. I don't know. I don't know that you can know some of this stuff without going through it. Um, I think I had to go through what I had to go through. Maybe an understanding that I was trying to hold on too tight would have helped a little bit. Maybe a greater trust in God that no matter where my children are, no matter where they go, he is there. But, um, Unfortunately, it was something I, I had to kind of wrestle with and be sad about and recognize that I was a little too sad about it and that I needed to release better and get to the, you know, get, have some, why did I need to hold on so, so um, strongly? And, you know, fear, fear was at the root of it. So um, it was a process. I, I'm sorry for the way it obviously impacted that next child, Katie, because that was hard on her. But um, 
but I, I'm not sure I could have gone through it any other way. So, yeah, no. And it's Kim, just you're the right around is. the corner. From <laughs> I know. I'm only a year away from oh, my, my baby potentially going up to Boston somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm always asking people, trying to take notes, like, you know, how did you manage it? I still <laughs> have two well. kids behind her. So, yeah. yeah, you know, that's that's the sense I get. A lot of people, it's just a really hard thing. And it's one of those transitions that you you plan for, but you're, you know, you plan for mentally, but you can't really plan for emotionally because you don't know how you'll feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I will say also part of what made it so hard for me was fully recognizing that this was just the beginning that, mm-hmm. you know, in two more years, I'd mm-hmm. let go of the next one. And then a few more years after that, it was the la- my last Amelia. And I knew this was going to go quickly and so I wasn't just dealing with one child leaving. I was dealing with moving into a stage yes. of, um, of, of really ending this very, very active period of, of mothering. And as I said earlier, that was, that's what, what I wanted to be when I grew up. So there was an identity crisis. Yeah. That's not what I am. What I am I? And, and who am I? And um, that's certainly something that <laughs> I have lots of identity crisis going through the course of my life. And I think transitions really bring them up. So they that do. is one of the things that, that really, um, that really, they true. really shake me. So. Yeah. Yeah. One of the life transitions that I've experienced and I experience it over and over again. Um, and it's not so big, but has the potential to have either negative or positive impact. And that's just kind of the busy seasons in our life. For example, spring sports is always our busiest season in our family. And it's really easy to get so busy that you start disconnecting with each other Mm -hmm. and you start to lose control of who's going where and what's going on and setting boundaries, and you tell yourself, well, we can, we can just do this, and we can do that, and next thing you know, you're in a place of depletion and being stressed out. A while back, not necessarily recently, I think what surprised me the most was that we can't do it all. You know, as a young mom, your kids want to do something, and you sign them up. You sign them up for whatever it is that they want to do, and at some mm-hmm. point, you have to stop, and you have to go, okay, no more. You know, I'd like to say we have rules in our house. I I thought it would be great to have a rule of one sport per season per child, but Mm. we didn't do it this year because Mm. I feel like with two of my children, they're very passionate about two different sports and they happen to fall in the same season. So some of the things that worked for us was creating a hierarchy. So what has precedence over the other? So for example, My daughter loves soccer and lacrosse, but she loves soccer more. So we're going to miss a soccer game if, I mean, miss a lacrosse game if it conflicts with a soccer game. If you have lacrosse practice and soccer practice, you're going to miss lacrosse, not soccer. And because it's sports as opposed to maybe a music and a sport, she's still working out. She's still running laps. She's still learning skills. So at this, at this age, it's really not a big deal. But creating a hierarchy of what trumps what when there's a conflict has been really mm-hmm. helped really helped us make decisions. For example, if there's practice during church, you're not going. If there's a game during church time, you're not going. Um, I would say the exceptions would be maybe playoff season. As long as they can get a ride, we'll get them a ride, but we still go to church. Mm-hmm. And so putting some boundaries in place during our busy seasons has been good. You know, and making sure that 
we find time to still connect as a family. So if it's possible, we eat together and keeping that as our touch point when we can or um, finding time to still connect with my husband because that's one of those things that goes to the wayside, especially when the both of you are going in different directions on the weekend and you're at different fields and you're not communicating and then that can be difficult. So really being intentional about, okay, we're not going to see each other unless we do it on purpose or make time for one another. So what's been really helpful is for us, I guess having been through it before, we've been able to set boundaries and be intentional. I can see where, you know, for your transitions, they're kind of one-time things. And so you're learning as you're going, which we did, but we were able then to approach next year the same way. So... And communities helped us out. I mean, that's what I think is, I think as we talk about this is what we're going to find is the common thread is that community makes a big difference. Absolutely. Um, Kimberly, Mm. you connecting with Mm -hmm. your friends, Elise, you Mm -hmm. um, having people in your life that had experienced the same thing. Your mom's in prayer. Your Mm -hmm. mom's in prayer, your counselors. And for me, it's just more practically having a community that can help carry the load and not being afraid to ask for help. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is absolutely. Gosh, as far as transitions go, being able to ask for help is huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely huge. With all of our moving around, we, I've really had to rely on people to just get things done for me or to, you know, support me emotionally. And sometimes you just have to ask because people don't know how to support you mm-hmm. in that sort of situation, you know? And be so, specific um, too. Yeah. People say specific. they're willing to help, but they really don't know how to help you. And I've done it. I've done that myself too. Yeah. I would so much rather have someone ask me for something specific that I can say yes or no to than just say, you know, oh, well, if you have time, you can lend a hand. You know, that's not, it it doesn't mean no one gets anywhere with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I think, again, Kim, it goes back to that uh, for you, especially what you've described, that intentionality. Uh, Because I will tell you, I, I think that we got swept away by those busy seasons and kind of you know, found ourselves there, even though it was every, every fall, every spring, and then rode it through like a wave and then sort of crashed at the end of it. And, um, I, I prefer your way. So, So, uh, you know, maybe I'll pass that wisdom on to the next generation that's growing in my family. But, um, I well, there still really... is the first few weeks where you're like, yay, this is fun. And then the adrenaline rush goes away and you're like, I cannot maintain this pace, you uh, know? Yeah. And also the importance of having some way of, or at least a couple of things, in your case, the, the family meal and church being non-negotiable items. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like, we're, we're going to do that as much as possible um, and we're, and we're going to hold the line with, the, with church, which is very hard in this mm-hmm competitive sports world. Yeah. 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 My kids get, have been docked, you know, sports wise, if they don't show up to stuff. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, there have been very, very few occasions that it's on a Sunday, but I think that's just particular to our, our activities. Um, cause I know a lot of families just entirely, I mean, we, we miss entire groups of families just sort of drop off the face of the earth when certain sports seasons roll around at church. And it's really sad to see. I mean, I'm, I don't want to be judgmental of that because certainly we take our time off when we need it, but, um, it is important to have some of those non-negotiables here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Kimberly, Quill, give us another one. 
Ooh, another transition. Um, this is probably pretty common, I think, to most moms um, who have transitioned from uh, staying at home to going to work or going to work and then staying at home. I think all of us at some point have that, uh, that position when we're, we become mothers or somewhere in the middle of our mothering. Um, I, I stayed home with my kids, I guess it was from the time my daughter, my oldest was two. Um, I was home and, um, Recently, in the last year, I took a, uh, a part-time job at my church, and it was a very flexible job, and it was, it was good in the sense that it was flexible, and they were great, and they understood, you know, I needed to be here, there, and everywhere with my kids. Um, but when my, during that time period, my husband got a new job, um, and he extended his commute to two hours, about two hours a day he's commuting and his work hours increased because it's a new job. So anytime you take on a new position that, um, you know, and there's new responsibilities associated with that, you work more. So he was working more, uh, many hours. He was gone anywhere between 12 and 14 hours a day. And it just became Mm -hmm. unsustainable with my part-time job and his more than full-time job and his commute and everything. And without another driver in the house, um, you know, my kids, my oldest wasn't old enough to drive. So, so we transitioned, I transitioned back very shortly after going to work, um, after being home for like 15 years, I transitioned back into full-time motherhood. And you would think after being away, you know, for only maybe six, I think I worked about six months, um, I, I thought it would just be, I'd snap back into being home, you know, oh, I'm back home. This is just what I'm used to. It's, you know, what I'm accustomed to. And even in that short time frame, I discovered that, um, it, it was so hard to give that job up. Um, not so much because I love the job because I didn't love the job actually. Um, but giving up sort of that one thing that was all my own, that belonged only to me. It wasn't something that my husband had anything to do with. Um, my kids clearly had nothing to do with the job. It was purely something that was for me to, you know, where I was, I felt like I was adding value in this particular position and um, using my skills and in a way that you just doesn't happen when you're at home. Quite frankly, I have more skills than just doing laundry. So uh, I was able to use those skills and, um, and to have something that, you know, was paying me a little bit. It just, it just made it feel legitimate. You know, it kind of like legitimized some things for me. And I hadn't realized that it had kind of taken a hold in my psyche. Like this had become important to me. So when I was back home again, um, I really, I found that I missed that so much having, my very own thing that, you know, when I had work hours, no one else got to tell me what to do with those hours. I was working and that was that back, you know, back at home when you're full time, you're kind of on everyone else's schedule. You know, they tell you how you're going to spend your time, at least in my family, that's how it works. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so, um, it was, it was a very, very difficult thing to give up in that sense, um, and to transition back into feeling like, oh gosh, here we go again, another 15 years of just stirring the pot, you know? Um, 
so I don't know. I'm still wrestling with it. That was only within the last year. Uh, so I'm still working through that transition and trying to figure out ways to um, kind of meet that need of having my own thing mm-hmm. without causing havoc in my home, um, you know, because my husband still has the same job. So <laughs> that's not going to change. Uh, and I don't have extra help. So working through that has been, has been tricky. Mm-hmm. What did the kids in your family think when you came back? Were they thrilled to have mommy back to help them do things that they didn't feel like doing? <laughs> oh my gosh. I wish people could see my face right now because it was ridiculous. They were practically <laughs> cheering. Yay, mom can drive us wherever we want, whenever we want now. Yay, I don't have to do my chores, you know, because their chore list had gone up significantly. Um, but, you know, when I'm home, I want stuff done when I want it done. I don't want to have to wait till they get home at 3 o'clock. So I do most of the things around here. When I was working, that didn't, that didn't fly. They had mm-hmm. to do more. So they were thrilled. Oh, my goodness. They were so happy to <laughs> know I was at their beck and call again, which was probably part of the challenge of the transition was like, oh, yeah, I'm at your beck and call again. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. What about you, Elise? Name another transition. Okay, um, another transition is one that I'm actively going through right now, and that is moving out of our home after 26 years and raising all of our children here. Um, we are downsizing, so that's a huge transition. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a transition which has been a, a long time in coming. Um, so I think... What surprised me about this transition is a, f- a couple of things. One is um, that we really have to make it. I mean, in other words, we really do have to have to downsize. Um, we have, or just for our, for the sake of our finances, we don't live in a huge home, but um, it's just too expensive to maintain. So, uh, I, I guess I, I didn't have that long view. So, um, and then also, it surprised me in the past couple of years, how long it was taking us to really make the decision (laughs) because we talked about it a lot. And, and then I'd say the final surprise has been how intense and quickly it has gone in this stage, meaning, uh, the stage where we said, okay, yes, we are putting the house on the market uh, in the spring. And yes, that means we have to, um, really clear out a lot of stuff after 26 years. And, and yes, we just have to do it. Um, I would also say the level of staging that goes on these days, in other words, the level of getting your house to look like it, nobody lives in it, um, except the neatest, most organized human beings that have ever walked the face of the earth. That was, that was surprising. My house looks absolutely fabulous, but there is not one sign of uh, our personal life in here. You know, the dish rack goes away. The, the pictures are all gone. Uh, half the furniture is stuffed into the garage. <laughs> it's oh been really goodness. nice in some ways because it simplifies things so much. And all I can say is, thank God my kids are not around, even even my adult children, because people are messy. I mean, even, even neat people have stuff. And so um, it's, been, it's been quite an experience. Um, and I think that if I, if I had it to do over again, maybe when we first started talking about it two years ago, we should have started packing it up. Um, because I still feel 
and the bot, you know, the bottom line is we have stuff in the garage that, um, we need to go through and I don't know if we'll get to it before we move. Cause now we're under contract and we found a new home and it's happened really in a matter of, I guess, all told the actual push has been maybe two months and, um, you know, we did get rid of a lot, but there's so much more that I don't want to take with us. And one of the things that I, that was one of the things that was really um, important about this time. I realized that there were things that I was holding on to and still am holding on to that had, again, I, I think I brought this up with, I did bring this up with the kids going off to college, have to do with my identity and mm. how, you know, have I made a difference have the things I've done been important? And so again, I'll reference Moms in Prayer where I was a state leader for many years. I had so many events. I held all kinds of events and did leadership training and all that kind of stuff. And that is in big fat folders. And I got rid of mm-hmm. some of it, but I still held on to a lot more. And what I really need is to do a timeline and just remember, and here it is, these are the things that I did and these are the materials that I created and Um, it was, it was a really wonderful, informative period in my life where again, uh, I went from somebody who, who just didn't have any sense of being a leader to a leader. And that was a huge God thing and a huge transition for me. And, um, it, 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 again, I, I, more holding on, it's more holding on. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's, that's part of what I've really had to work through and struggle with is, is more letting go. Yes, there's definitely a theme there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wish I had known it, some of this stuff ahead of time. It went, I feel like it went rather quickly. Yeah. You know, like it. one day yeah. you're like, it's on the market. It's going, it's going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how, you know, and again, for us, I guess that's how it had to happen. Other people are much better at, let's do a box this week. Uh, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm not. Who are those people? I am, who are those people who do a Maybe Kimberly. They're all online. Oh, yes. Kimberly. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I sort of am, is. but my husband isn't. So it does me no good. It just becomes yeah. a source of frustration. Right. I, I will say that one of the things that was nice is that my husband and I have definitely done this as a team and that has been a blessing. And also it helps us, I think, to look forward to, our next home where it's almost a little like finding our first apartment again. So there's, there's yeah. the really happy part of it. Um, I, I am looking, thankfully I really like my husband and he really likes me. <laughs> and so, you know, there's some really positive things about the transition. Really yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. So how about you, Kim? Um, well, my final transition would be a little bit more like Kimberly's. Um, I guess maybe two years back. Gosh, time flies. Um, a friend of mine reached out to me and offered me a part-time opportunity that was only supposed to last for a few weeks to work as a designer for um, the television production company that she worked at. And she said, this is perfect for you. It's four weeks. This is how much it's going to pay. We'd love for you to come on board. And so it was very exciting. So I took the job and it was very fulfilling and energizing and I felt like a new person. I was using my design skills. I was using my creativity. Again, like you said, Kimberly, having something that was my own immediately that those hours that I worked were important. My husband didn't ask anything of me during that time. My my kids didn't ask anything of me. Like they knew that mommy was working and the, the job as is kind of was complete 
and they still wanted me to stay on and they were going to give me other sort of design related things to do and uh, maybe transition to some office manager roles, knowing that in the future there was going to be an upcoming project that they would need me to design and oversee. So I stayed on. The transition, it was kind of one of those things where I transitioned to be a working mom, even though it was just part-time, kind of without me even noticing it, without me realizing what was happening. And I continued to think and act like I was a stay-at-home mom. And I thought, well, I can handle this. I could just, you know, a few hours here, a few hours there. I could, you know, run up to work. You know, I, I was, my timing was flexible. I was allowed to make my own hours just as long as everything was getting done. And eventually it took about three months for me to kind of come up for air and say, oh, I'm a working mom. Like, I can't do everything I used to do. So I would say that I was really surprised by that. It took me a few months for me to realize that I needed to get some help. I needed to have a babysitter. So if I was going to be working, instead of stressing myself out to get my kids picked up from school in time, especially with design, some things take longer than you anticipate. I had a high schooler who was able to pick my kids up from school and then spend some time with them. You know, when I was working part-time outside the home, the hours that I used during the day to do the things for the home they disappeared, right? So now I'm not grocery shopping. I'm not doing dry cleaning. I'm not taking care of the things, the finances, the things that need to be done. So I then had to figure out, well, when am I going to do these things? And so we're in the, like I said, in the beginning, there was this honeymoon period where everything worked because I was so energized. And then all of a sudden it became, this is real. How are you going to get this all done? So I was surprised by that. And then just what really worked was getting the help that I needed. It was, it was much better once I did that. I was able to embrace my work hours, embrace my family without feeling like it was too much. And, you know, it was wonderful to have the income and it was wonderful to have the time outside the home. But I, I needed to operate differently. I needed to see that time and my role now is very differently than I did before. And then very similar to that, I did stop working there um, after about a little bit over a year and decided it was time to um, be done with that job and focus more on some of the other things that I wanted to do. My Etsy shop where I sell my scripture cards. I wanted to invest more in my blog. I wanted to invest more into circles of faith. Mm -hmm. And again, the transition of when I stopped working, yes, I was still at home with my family or at home, you know, while the kids are at school, but I had to start guarding my time like I was working from home, even though I don't make money like I did when I was outside the home with some of those things, I had to guard the time. So I couldn't just go to lunch whenever I wanted to or volunteer for school whenever I wanted to. If I was really going to start taking the things in my life seriously, I had to start guarding that time. And it took me a long time to get to that place now because mm -hmm. I would feel guilty because I wasn't volunteering at school. Well, I don't really have a job, right? So I can kind of do this later. Well, no, because the hours that my kids are in school, I really need to be hunkering down and developing those things that I say I want to develop instead of using you know, the volunteering and getting together with people as an excuse to not do those things. And so I had to take working from home seriously because I think as bloggers, as writers, as creatives, sometimes the work we do isn't always clearly defined. 
And so I had to decide to place value on it because nobody else was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I absolutely see that in my own life as well because I'm currently in graduate school um, for writing and I have to set aside that time to write. I mean, it, it ha- to get my schoolwork done, it has to be done. I am paying for this education. I want to get the most out of it. However, you know, it, it, the line gets fuzzy. I'm paying. They're not paying me to do this work. So yeah. it gets a little tricky when you're trying to determine, you know, as you said before, setting that hi- hi- hierarchy, yes, mm-hmm. hierarchy um, of importance um, because that is something that's very important to me. It needs to get done, but I also need to have groceries in my house. So um, I guess trying to, to manage that has been really tricky for me when it's not something that's pay, you know, it's not a job that's paying me specifically, but it's a goal and it's important. And just, you know, it kind of, I don't necessarily work from home, but that's kind of, for me, the same sort yeah, of yeah, scenario. Absolutely. It should be approached the same way, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been working for uh, many years. In fact, I've been doing something since really I had my first child, whether it was childbirth teaching or whatever. I did a lot of different things for a while and then I've been an editor for magazine for 12 years. And I think it's, that's a little, uh, one of those difficult things about working actually at home, uh, not having to go to an office for the most part. Um, guarding that time is extremely difficult. And, um, and I, and I, again, did an awful lot of my work through the cracks and that was very hard to do. Um, I remember my sister saying about the whole volunteer thing. Um, she, she's like, Elise, you, you act like you're not working and you sign yourself up for all these things. And then you're frazzled and hassled because really you, you need to be spending that time on the other work that you're doing. So that was really insightful Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm -hmm. and really, um, was a helpful thing to hear. I'm not sure I always listened to her. I, I struggle with that busyness thing, but, um, yeah, you, you really, it, it has to be treated, our time has to be treated like work time, whether it's education or work or whatever it is that we choose to do that's not literally raising our children. So um, it can yeah. be hard to do. We feel somehow unentitled to that. True. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing with us some of your transitions Uh, what surprised you about them, and what you've learned from them. Hopefully these things can help other people if they're in similar situations. Elise and Kimberly, remind us where we can find you online. You can find me at at EliseDailyParker.com and uh, Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at KimberlyAnnCoyle.com. And you can find me on Twitter as KimberlyACoyle and Instagram KAcoyle. All right, and I'm at KimberlyAmici.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Kimberly Amici and on Facebook as Living in the Sweet Spot. And that's it for this episode. What you've heard here today can be found in our show notes. If you subscribe to the newsletter at circlesoffaith.org, you'll get the show notes, additional content, and resources delivered right to your inbox. Let's continue the conversation. Let us know in our Facebook community group what surprised you the most about motherhood. Also, it's a great place to talk with others in our community about some of the life transitions you've been through. Subscribe to us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're there, rate and review the show. Your comments go a long way in helping others find us. 